Hallelujah. Y'all got your Bibles ready? Y'all go ahead and start turning to Matthew chapter 6. While I share with you a little bit about what's been going on lately. So, because it's messing with my theology and God's still working because y'all been prophesying it to break off all of my uh, religiosity that I have left in me, which has turned out to be a lot more than what I thought. Is that the same for you guys lately? Yeah, me too. Um, Kendall and I had the had the Lord visit us in our apartment for a few days in a way that has shook us and I don't, I don't I didn't know what word to put to it I felt like I was born again 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 I, it was a whole new perspective refreshed and and uh, I felt like my brain got rewired a little bit just a whole different perspective and and lens that I'm seeing life through recently and I wanted you guys to get to peer in to a little bit what God's been showing us and what's just had uh, tears in our eyes in our apartment what's kept us up at night and what's interrupted my work days in the middle of the day when holy spirit comes in and shakes us and i'm physically quivering to the point that i can't type on my computer anymore and if eli's listening to this right now i gotta tell him i missed a couple hours of work because the holy spirit it wasn't my fault um but guys listen this is we I, we really want y'all to peer into this with us because it has the Lord has just been so gracious to radically shake off um, some of those religious mindsets, some of those barriers that we have left in us that, I don't know about you guys, there are just times that you're in a season where you're like, I don't know how to get out of this mindset. I feel frustrated, I feel tired, I feel offended, I feel whatever it is, I feel stuck in a rut and I don't know how to get out. And I just, the exciting news is he can do it so, so easily. Amen. And that's what he did for me to the point that I can't even conceive the idea, perceive the idea of why I was stuck in some of the mindset that I was before, why I was stuck in just this, I don't know about an irritation, but just this weariness, this daily weariness where, um, where I was having to minister out of that place, work out of that place. And, uh, and just felt like some, some, wicked thing got taken off my back. Amen. You guys in Matthew chapter six, this is one of the first things that God began to show me. Um, and he, I'm giving it to you in the order that he gave it to me. So walk with me through this today. Um, today, our message is called X marks the spot. Say that with me. X mark, X marks the spot. <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter six, look at verse 16. Jesus is speaking and he says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who that sees what is done is secret will reward you. Guys, just that already right there. He says that you don't need the approval of man anymore. You don't need 
to display things in a way for the sake of gaining approval from someone else. But that, what that doesn't do is give you permission to uh, behave oppositely or adversely to the instruction that you're receiving here at this church. What it does, though, is it places the responsibility on you to know whether your Father in heaven is pleased with your heart posture today or whether he's not, because he is the one who knows what's going on in secret, whether or not you intended for him to know what was going on in secret, right? He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. He goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body and even if your eye is... But so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Come on, guys, if that's not a word about the religious spirit that we've been talking about recently, I don't know what is. Is that you can have the light and the life of men abiding in your heart. But if your eye is bad, everything that was intended for good in you can become bad, right? All of a sudden, that religious spirit chokes out the very intimacy that he intended for you and I to have with him. The, the very sacrifice, the very price that he paid for you and me gets choked out. The, the, his intended influence that you're supposed to have gets diminished because just that perspective is wrong. You can't even perceive what he's doing correctly. Here's, what I, when, here's where he began to bring this to a point of culmination for me here in verse 24 no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and your translation might say wealth it might say money the word is mammon that's that's there and it's an Aramaic word indicating physical stuff, physical belongings, or really the spiritual entity of your lust for such things, right? Mammon is so much bigger than just money or wealth. This, the, our translations just don't do justice for what this verse intends right here because the things that cause us to have a divided mindset, a divided heart between he and it is so much more than money. I know many of you in here are not those who, who lust after money, after dollar bills, right? But it is other stuff. Maybe it's influence, maybe it's attention, maybe it's authority, maybe it's a good word, maybe it's a... a a scriptural gold nugget that you're going after, but it's still not him. And it creates this division, this tension in you every day that he never intended to be there. Come on, guys, if we don't trust, if we don't put our trust in him, this is what was coming out in worship earlier. If we don't put our trust in him, if we don't put our heart with him, then we will forever feel this tension in us of trying to serve two masters. I know a few of you are feeling that way in here right now this morning, and you've been feeling that way for months. You have the tension in your home, the tension in the atmosphere 
and the pressure inside of your own house. You have it inside of your heart every day. You have that anxiety to approach your friends here in the church. You have this anxiety to approach God's presence. You have this irritation in you. You have that short fuse on you every day. It's because you're trying to serve two masters. He says, you will either love one and hate the other, or you will serve one and despise the other. Guys, how often, he says, if you just serve the other one, if you just serve the other master, then you begin, then you begin to despise the other one. Pastor Mike's been talking about whether you have a 50-50 split, uh, a mix, or a 90-10 mix of that religious spirit in you, and that even that 90-10, that 10%, leaves such a nasty taste in our mouths, does it not? That little voice in the back of your head that says, I don't know if he's really with me. I don't know if the people in the family that God put me in really want me there. I don't know if he's really speaking to us. I don't know if he's really going to do anything with our family. I guess we're just too far gone, or I guess we're just, God's just not going to use us for anything. Guys, that's what that 10% even, and that's being, that's being very conservative to consider that any one of us only has 10% makes left. <laughs> but that's what even 10% does in us. It leaves us with this taste in our mouth like that where we begin to despise the beauty of everything else that God's doing because we're trying to serve one master, and so we begin to despise the one who we're called to serve. Church, just earlier it said that for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If that precedes the very scriptures we just read about two masters, what does that say about when you choose which master you serve? Is it a brain problem? Is it a, is it a knowledge problem for you? No, you knew that the day that you came face to face with Jesus you knew what the cost was going to be. That, that what he did in your heart that day told you immediately, I, I, he, he, I have to give everything to him. I can't do this thing and that thing at the same time because I feel sick when I do that. Yeah. I'm depressed when I do that. I go weeks in a bad mood and a bad attitude when I do that. I have a negative outlook on life. I'm grumpy whenever I try to serve that master and then I end up despising him because I feel him tugging on my heart and I don't want him to tug on my heart. I want to sit over here and serve the master that I'm choosing to serve today. So what that says about us is that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Come on, our hearts, our hearts are what determine which master we're serving does it not? Because you know which master, you've read your word enough that you know the consequences. I know the consequences of not serving the master who paid full price for me. Pastor Mike's been preaching on the great exchange for a couple weeks. Come on, did you hear the immense price that was paid for you and me? We know it, yet something in our hearts, something in our hearts that we aren't letting him get a hold of drags us away to some other master, and we end up despising the beautiful, miraculous work that he's doing in us. I want you to hold on to that verse that I just reread to you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just go ahead and deposit that right there in your mind, in your heart. Let that start to 
let that start to sink in a little bit today because we're going to end up re uh, revolving around this one right here. Turn a few pages over with me to Luke chapter 15. Say there when you're there. Guys, I'm giving, this, I'm giving this to you in the order that God gave it to me. And what it did is it created a godly sorrow in me, but he did not leave me there. I'm not here to beat on your door and rebuke you today. It's not what he's done in my heart this last week, and it's not what he's spoken to me to do for you today. But I am here to break off those things that still have you locked up. The things that you put yourself back in. Not that he didn't save you from in the first place. The things that you put yourself back in whenever he proclaimed total freedom to you the day that you met him. Because contrary to popular belief, this isn't ministry as the world calls ministry going on here in this room. This is a family. A local family of the greater family of God. And I'm not here to give you really a clever teaching today but the family but to give to you guys the family that God gave me in this time like in, in my life the people each one of you who are my brothers and my sisters right here in this room who I cannot imagine life without a single one of you but to give you just a, a, a degree of freedom a degree of of, uh, of freedom from the things that I know are still bothering I know every single one of you I know what's going on in your homes. I know what's going on in your minds and in your hearts. And I want you to experience the, ex the same expression of freedom that God has been doing just in the secret place in our upper room apartment this past week, y'all. Because <laughs> Kendall and I just had, had some calluses cut off this last week. And there's some of you, man, that I see every week with that same look in your eyes or every other week, or even once a month, that same look in your eyes like, I'm here, but I'm not really here. I know what God, I know what God did for me, but I'm not really feeling it today. Church, uh, if, I think that if I show you and, and speak over you today everything that God did for us, you're going to feel the same way that we did, because just, we just want to share that with you. In Luke chapter 15, are you there? I'm not there, so one second. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus speaks parables of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and I'm trying to change my mindset and my language to one slightly more positive than what our Bible translators tend to do and see it as a returning son, not a lost son. Amen. In Luke 15, it's, um, verse 3, he says, So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture, and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Say rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you in the same way, there will...
be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. <laughs> Church, if you, if you knew... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying my best to hold it to you. I thought I got it all out in our apartment the other night. I, I have an audio recording of me trying to catch the notes, and I couldn't hardly make it through the scriptures, and I told Kendall I got to get it out in house so I can actually speak this on Sunday. If you knew the value of what he had for you, he says that not only, it, it wasn't so transactional that he made the transaction and he's like, man, this is, a, this is that rebellious sheep. This is that nasty one. I'm going to secretly scoot him back into the pen so that nobody else sees how rebellious he is. He says that he would rejoice at the purchasing, at the finding and the bringing home of the one that was lost. That he would call in his neighbors and his friends. Is that a man who's embarrassed of his rebellious sheep? It's not, man. That's how excited he was for me the day that he took a hold of me. That's how excited he is for you today. <laughs> or what about a lost coin? Or what woman, if, he has, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Guys, we are sons and daughters of God, but you have to remember today the, day, the way that he found you when, he first, when you first looked him back in the face. This was you and me. Let's not be so self-righteous today to, to not consider the day that we first looked at him face to face. He showed me this again, man, in a way that my heart, Kendall's heart began to break. And I considered, am I not more valuable than a sheep even? This parable is about a sheep. And he had 99 other ones that he could have just been satisfied with. This woman had nine other coins. It, it could have been worth her time just to go back to work and go earn another one. But she decided to light the lamp and search all through the house for it off of just even one out of 10. And the prodigal son, or the returning son rather. Y'all know this story, skip with me down to verse, skip with me down to verse 18. He says, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But guess what? He didn't even let him get to the part where he said, consider me as one of your hired men. Or as one of your servants it says, but the father said to his slaves, interrupted him rather, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life 
again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Guys, if you knew the value that he saw that you had before you ever proved your value, <laughs> I think it would change your heart. It would change your perspective today on some of the heart postures and the attitudes that you and I can so easily fall into. Y'all know where I'm going next? Where am I going next, Ashlyn? What chapter? 15. Let's go to John 15. Where, oh, well, that was close. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In John 15, look at verse, look at verse 12 with me. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Greater love has no one than this that one would lay down his life for his friends or for his brother. You are my friends if you do what I command you, says Jesus. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. You did not choose me. You did not choose me. I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that that fruit would abide or remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Whenever he says, whenever he says that this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that means to the measure of and to the extent of that I have loved you. One of the things that we're going to see resolved in this room right now this morning is first and foremost, your perspective that you weren't that valuable in the first place when he found you, rather when you found him. That today there is nothing that you're doing that is creating more value or more righteousness in you than the day that he found you, than the day that you submitted to him. He said, you're my friends when you do what I command you. It's not that... If you do it, I command you, then you're my friend. It's that both of these things are happening at the same time. The evidence that that is not particularly circumstantial is in the entirety of Luke 15 that we read together. Did the coin lose value because it was lost? Did she go and get, just get another one, work another day's wage and earn another coin, earn another soul? Just put another, just put another seat in the chair. So-and-so's gone because they were embittered and offended and they left, just put another seat in the chair. That's not how God sees you and it's not how I see you. It's not how any one of your pastors see you. 
It's not how Kendall, Jamie, Jen, it's not how Pastor Mike or Pastor Devin, it's not how you feel about each other. So why is it that we doubt that value that we have from the start? Jesus said it to us, and we have to believe that he thinks the same way. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you have his heart before or after you started acting right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life, right? God, there's an entire creation that he already paid full price for. We've been learning of a great exchange. He already paid the price for it before it ever did anything to prove to him that they would be worth it. Which one of the disciples were already powerful and effective in the Holy Spirit before he got a hold of them? Not one of them. Not even one. Most of them were fools. Most of them were unknowledgeable, uneducated. Most of them, and some of them were the hypocrites in the community that everybody hated. Some of them were social, socially awkward. Jesus didn't wait for them to call them out of where they were and say, you're with me. I chose you. You didn't choose me. He, he picked them at their worst, church, his disciples, just like you, just like me. He picked us at our worst. He loved them. He loved us through the entire process. And he displayed them and will, will display them and will display us at our very best. Meaning his Holy Spirit abiding in us, working through us powerfully and effectively. Not you and I trying to perform the rest of our lives to earn the love of all of our friends right here in this room. <laughs> Come on, he's displaying you right now at your best. He's going to display you in full glory, the same glory that he has right now in the heavens. He's going to display you in in the age to come. And he didn't say that you had to be the number one disciple in the world in the history of man to, to get it. He just said, I loved you from the start. I wanted you from the start. And yes, you will be conformed to my image as you grow nearer and closer to my heart. But whenever I got a hold of you, you, you weren't that. Come on, guys. I, I didn't understand this even in the slightest bit until I was like 20, 21 years old. What if we have an entire generation of, the, of these kids in here who don't have to wait until they're 20 years old and trying their hardest until they're 20 to earn mom and dad's love, to earn the love of God, but they can know today that they're beloved. <laughs> that would resolve a few things in us right now today, huh? That anxiety that people don't like us, that they're tired of us, that any of that kind of foolishness. Y'all, if Jesus said that you're worth it, then I believe him, you're worth it. And just like he's paid full price for it, I'm gonna pay full price for you the rest of my life. I love you that much. You hear me? I love you that much. John chapter 15. The slave does not know what his master is doing. All has been shared with you, church. He's not withholding anything. There's not a secret disciple club that you weren't invited to. 
People think that all the time. Like, there's like the secret Jesus disciple club, and then there's everybody else club that you have to be in. It's not true. You hear me? It ain't true. Guys, we are brothers and sisters right here in this room, and he paid the same full price for you that he did for me. And he wants you and I both to go fully after him and reciprocate that love. He's, Jesus says in John 15 that the world will hate you, not because, but listen, he said that they would hate you, but, it, but it's not because you just chose to worship that God. You know, I've, I've been in nations where there are like seven different religions expressed in one area, and they don't kill each other over it. Like where you have Hindus and Buddhists living side by side. You have Hindus and Muslims living side by side. You have like even in some areas in the world, Muslims and Christians living side by side. And they're not, it's not just the idea that they're worshiping a different God that people are killing them, killing each other over it. He says that the world will hate you because you're going to, because whenever he chose you and whenever you decide to reciprocate that, you're walking in a kind of sonship. You're walking in a kind of family that the whole world has to fight and claw their way into the rest of their lives. Guys, that was just, that's just been me in the last few years. Trying so hard to convince my friends that I was worth keeping around. Trying so hard to convince this church that I would be a good enough pastor for it in the years to come trying to convince my wife that I was worth sticking around for, trying to convince my parents that it was worth trying harder. Guys, <laughs> he's already called you that from the start. He already called you beloved from the start. This world will hate you because you don't have to fight and claw and earn your way into an identity of sonship, into an identity of friendship with your Messiah where they have to fight and claw and kill and bleed out animal, animals and everything else to try to appease a God who hates them and is just waiting for a good chance to destroy them. That is not how your God thinks about you. Those who are bound in the kind of religiosity I was sharing with you about my own life, and maybe it applies to you too. Those who are bound in that religiosity and in other religions have to fight to feel relevant, important, and beloved. But you've been declared that from the beginning. Look at Matthew chapter 13 with me. Turn to verse 44 when you get there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <laughs> it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. 
and from joy over it, he goes and sells how much? Everything, all that he has to purchase it. Do you know what price was paid for you? Why do you feel that you don't belong in this room? Why do you feel that this isn't your family? Why do you doubt the friendship you have with each other or even with your pastors? Guys, this is the room. This is the family that he put each one of us in. Why do you doubt whether he's watching, whether he cares, whether he loves you? There's a fixed value that he's placed there already, and he sold everything to go and get it. We're talking about a God who already owns the whole thing, through whom and by whom all things were created and all things are sustained. Why did he have to pay for a field he already had the name right to? Why? He could have just taken it. He could have, or what about this? Why did he not take the treasure out of the field and walk off with it? It said that he found the treasure and he put it back in the field where he found it. Why didn't he just take it and run? Because he wanted the whole field. He wanted the whole thing. He knew who you were whenever he paid full price for you. He knew, where, he knew where the rocks were. He knew where the vines were. He knew where the thorns were. He knew where the red anthills were. God, he knew where it was already, and he bought the whole thing and rejoiced over the opportunity to get to pay full price for something he already had the naming rights to. We were already created in his image. We were already his, but just to prove it to you, just to prove it to me, he sold everything he had in joy to go and buy it. It wasn't out of pity. It wasn't out of frustration. It wasn't out of, man, I got to convince them again. Everything out of joy to come and get the whole field with the treasure in it. He saw fit to purchase that land before the land displayed value. But the treasure he hid in it was so worth it. And the fact that he was going to get to call the whole thing his own, so worth it. Why? Why do we consider family <laughs> that it would have been better if he just took the treasure out it's the same reason uh we've joked before uh you aren't kept under the water when you're baptized you're brought back up <laughs> he didn't just want another soul in heaven another another gemstone in his treasury he wanted the whole field he left you here with all your tendencies and your and your corruptible flesh as first corinthians 15 calls it and said, yeah, that's worth it. I'm going to present all my glory through that one. <laughs> Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 now, please.
You'd think I'd use my little ribbon things on my Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. <laughs> he says, Therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have good news preached to us but just as they also but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard as do you know that he can pay full price for you and if you don't have the faith to believe it and the faith to walk in it that he paid full price for you that you're not going to receive the benefit of him paying full price for you you can be miserable and be wish, wishy-washy and be on a roller coaster ride the rest of your life and not live in the benefit and in the blessing of knowing he paid everything for you because he loved you just that much. He goes on to say, look at verse uh, 14 with me. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet was without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, this is, the whole point is that not only would we walk in the knowledge of the salvation of our souls and a heaven we get to go to, and that we would get to approach a throne of grace with confidence today. Do you approach the throne of grace with confidence every single day? Or does your conscience keep you from being able to do that? See, what I'm not proposing to you today is that we got to fix all the screwed up things in you so that then you can go and approach the throne of confidence with grace. Are y'all with me? I know that's noisy. Ignore it. You can approach the throne of confidence, uh, the throne of grace with confidence today. It's what he paid full price for, for that sonship, for that family, for that identity that has been taught to us so many times and we're just still not getting it. And you can see it by the fruit of our lives, by the looks on our faces, by the posture that we walk in, by the voice of hope that is not heard in our voices when we speak and when we sing. He paid for so much more than that. Guys, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, where does your confidence come from then? We heard, it said, uh, we heard it said this week, Kendall and I did, that you can bless God, you just can't impress God. Think about that for a second. You can bless God, you just can't impress God. There is nothing that you can do that he can't do. And there is not a, like, in whatever you do, or rather whatever you don't do, he'll equip and empower somebody else to do it. You don't impress God, but you do bless him by responding to the full price that was paid for you. 
You bless him by, by using all of the gifts and the abilities and everything that he's given you. But you don't impress him. So where does your confidence come from? If we can't string together enough months or years of perfection, weeks, days, hours of perfection, in a way that we feel like we could impress him or, or a way that we could approach his throne with confidence, then where does that confidence come from? The fact that he said from the beginning that you were as valuable as you are today and as you will be at the end of the age. So where does your confidence come from? Is it your talents? Is it your abilities? Is it because you can preach a good word? Is it because you can hop on an instrument and lead worship? And is it because you were one of the first families here at this church? Is it because you're the hardest worker in the room? Is it because of the good fruit that has come from the ministry of your life? Or how many miles you have under your feet in the kingdom? Where does your confidence come from? Because it's not any one of those things. Or at least it shouldn't be. Because we can see how that becomes the roller coaster ride that sends us on a trajectory that is so inconsistent and so not what God paid for. Our confidence comes from the fact that he said we were worth it from the start. And so that way, whether, whether it's this little guy over here or whether it's this man right here, they can all approach God and say, I know I'm, how old is he, seven? Yeah, I'm seven and I'm 30, right? Yeah. And I know I'm valuable. I know God put me in this place for a reason. I know I don't have to earn it, but because he loved me so much, I want to get up every day and please his heart. I want to get up every day and bless him. I want to get up every day and inspire others to come walk in the kind of unity, not the religion, not to come invite them to church, to come and walk in the unity with him that you are walking in, but you have to walk in it first. I'm telling you to stop coming to church and not walk with him every day in between. Because we can see it when you do that. And it's not to our shame. It's not to your shame. It's heartbreaking because he paid for you to be in unity with him every single day. In Hebrews 2, turn a couple pages back there with me as we're coming close to an end. Are you all still with me? You're not tired of this, are you? Good. I wouldn't care anyways. I'm, he touched my heart and I... I'm going to keep you here for four hours if I have to. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 9 says, But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone this is the full price that was paid he didn't have to do it at a snap of a finger he could have saved you he could have men in black style memory wiped you and made it where you don't remember any of your past and he says I'm the captain now and then you follow him the rest of your life he could have done that and he didn't he came and bled he came and died so that you would know your value do you see the difference 
Do you hear the difference in what so many of us have been told in church so much of our lives? Pray this prayer. He loves you. You're going to go to heaven now, and it's all going to be okay. But, you know, it's okay. He, you can be miserable the rest of your life still. That, that's fine. No, God, he... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I know I'm saying it a lot today. He's only said it to you like 4,000 times since you met him. He paid for so much more. And we're going to keep saying it until I get it, until you get it, and we walk in it every single day. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, and bringing many what? Sons to glory. Not fools to glory. Bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Do you hear who received the, the verb of being perfected? So the sons were being brought to glory, but the author of their salvation was being perfected in his sufferings. He said, there's more that I can give and I want to give it. There's a greater price I can pay and I want to pay it. He was perfect in character before then, but there was something he had not done for you and I, for you and me. And he said, I want to pay that price. He said, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that's you and me, are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless, render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free from those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. What are you afraid of? Hebrews, Hebrews 2 said it. The slavery that you have left in your life, the slave-like mentality you have left in your life is because you were afraid of the death that is to come or you were afraid of the price that has to be paid today. What if you killed off the rest of that slave mentality today that makes you think that you're, that you're literally just the... You're just the adopted orphan who always is identified as an orphan the rest of their life in his house. And you're the second or third class citizen in his kingdom. That's not what he paid for. Many sons were brought to glory. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels. <laughs> but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore... He had to be made like his brothers in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that which he was suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Guys, if you're struggling with temptation recently, whether it's poor decision making or whether it's acting completely outside of the character that God is building in you. 
you have, if you are tempted in believing that you don't belong here, if you're tempted in believing that you're not useful in his kingdom or that you're not of value or that it's too late or anything else like that, that is not the time to hide from him. That's not the time to run from him. And even if you do run from him, you're the sheep in the chapter we just read earlier, and he's coming after you. And if he's coming after you, I'm coming after you. Because I'm not going to be the religious older brother that we read about anymore. If my father goes running after you, sure as heck, I'm running after you. If he sees you coming back home, then I'm going out to meet you too, and I'm already going to have the fatted calf with me. I'm already going to be celebrating before you ever even get back in the gate. He's not going to have to ask me to put a robe on you. I'm going to put a robe on you. Y'all, let me tell you, something, something happened recently because I didn't like people as much last week as I do this week. My love, my love for the frustrating people in this world has just completely overrided any amount of frustration that my flesh allowed to rise up. My heart is, has been rendered in a way that <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. There's a value that is just inexpressible. He knew. He knew what he was getting whenever he got the whole thing. He knew that you would be no one formally trained by the most classy people in this world. No, I mean, I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. That you wouldn't have the most perfectly lined up rows in your field for the harvest, but that you would have the real thing. The best fruit of the land before man got busy trying to make it more productive and more voluminous before men started introducing all their clever methods to try to get a better thing he knew that your field already had the best thing the real thing a man after God's own heart that will shame the culture of the performers and break off a principality in this land of perfectionism that's one of the best fields Jesus ever paid for right there he bought the whole thing and he knew that the whole thing was worth it. <laughs> he knew you when you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew the lack of fathers in your life and he also knew the lack of fathers in this world. And the lack that each person in this room would have. He said, that's it, that's the one that I want. Against all odds, will be the greatest of fathers who would break off the clergy layman separation in a land that is, that is in and of itself religiosity and begin a work in a city of hundreds of thousands of orphans. He said, X marks the spot. That's the one. That's the field I'm getting. That's the treasure I'm going for. I'll pay everything to get one more father in this land. Because he's already going to be outnumbered 200,000 to 1 in the first place. Against all odds, no matter what the world says, 
he's capable of, I say he's worth it and he's going to do it. Some in this room can hardly consider, some of you in this room have a hard time even considering that you're a part of this local family, much less sons and daughters of Yahweh. If he said, X marks the spot about you, then I say it too. I'll pay anything. I'll go the full mile. I'll run the whole mile out of the gate. I'll pay the full price to make sure that you know that you belong here for the rest of your life, for the rest of my life. We're going to do this thing together. <laughs> And a few of my, of the beloved women in my family, in my life, he knew what he was getting when he bought the whole thing. He knew you would all be strong, faithful, determined, successful, hardworking women, the most talented in the land the hardest, the most battle-hardened, the most capable of fighting and winning women in the land. He also knew that you would have a tendency to be more Martha than Mary on a regular basis too. But he said, X marks the spot. That's the one. 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 That's the one that I want. <laughs> You hear that? <laughs> Through the most battle-hardened and capable, hard-working women. The Lord told me last night. He said, I hid that treasure in them. And though the world and even some of your family and friends say all that you're good for is producing, putting in some good work, going and working all day to get some money in the bank account to get the bills paid, taking care of things at home, that even the, that though the world says that's all you're good for, he says, many will find safe refuge in you. And it won't be because you built the nicest building to put them in. It won't be because you're a strong fortress around them. It'll be because there is going to be an affection that you live in with your Messiah that other women will get to come and abide in and find safe refuge in. And it won't be because you're the strongest, the best, or the most talented. It won't be because you knew the most Bible verses. It won't be because you sweat or bled the most for the vision here. It'll be because there's something that you have. There's an affection that the whole world is missing with the one who paid full price in them. And they see the way that you're reciprocating that full price, that full love, that full measure of love and affection back to him that he brought to you. And they're like, man, I could have gone and joined a women's club or some PTA thing with a bunch of other like-minded women, but these women right here, these are the women that I find safe refuge in. These are the ones that my life is being changed by. And though that they've been battle-hardened, though they're strong and capable, there's something in them that just wants to slow down and walk in that affection with Jesus that no other woman has ever taught me how to do. 
God's going to do that through you guys, through you ladies. I'm coming to an end here. I'll go forever for y'all. I'll go family by family, soul by soul in this room. I'll do it during fellowship or I'll come to your house this evening and do it. I do it to Herman all the time. Herman gets my full measure of affection every time I see him. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Herman's been taken away from it or something for you. God's salvation plan has been the same since the beginning, church. I just want to end this with that. Revelation 13.8 says that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. You hear me? From the foundation of the earth. He did it from the foundation of the earth. And John 1, he describes that he's the life and the light of men. And in John 15, he says that not only would his Holy Spirit come and give witness to him, but that you and I would give witness to him just as his Holy Spirit gives witness to him. We get the same job as the Holy Spirit, church, and he paid for that. Do you understand that? Are you awake? I want you to wake up and realize just how much he loves you, just what he paid for. That he wants you to go and be a witness just as his own Holy Spirit is. That's insane. I'm not perfect like the Holy Spirit. I get the same job though. <laughs> Y'all stand up with me. He said, X marks the spot. That's the field that I want. That's the one. That's you. That's you, Wayne. That's you, Gizzy family. John, Cassidy, Allie, Alex, Christina. You're not going anywhere. Uh, somebody... No, somebody's going to have to give their life to this ministry to come and get you. Jesus. He said, X marks the spot. That's the field that I want. And church, I want to say that I feel, we feel the same way about you. We love you. The Lord loves you. And I'm just learning how to express his love for you at a greater measure as I'm learning just how much more he loves me than I ever believed before. Y'all feel like we have some room to grow in our understanding of his infinite love for us? Yeah. Yeah, this will change your life right here. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you didn't come and just rapture us up from the start, but that every day that you leave us here on this earth is a living witness that despite our corruptible flesh, you paid full price for us anyways. God, let it be a reminder to us every day when we wake up, every day when we lay our head down, that you could have just snatched us up right then, but you wanted to display your glory through us all the days of our life. <laughs> Jesus, we're just breaking off that self-hatred, that self-pity, that performing attitude, that perfectionist mindset in here that says that I'm not worth it until I prove that I'm worth it. Jesus, we say that all of the talents and abilities and the giftings, our growing worship team, our 
maturing pastors, Lord, our growing church body. All these things are going to be wonderful and beautiful, but it will be because we know you first loved us. Lord Jesus, we love each other. We love you because we know that you first loved us while we were yet despicable. So, Jesus, we thank you, and we say that it's worth celebrating all the days of our life. It's worth living out all of today and all of this next week and the rest of our lives, God, in an attitude of celebration. Come on, in an attitude of joy, in an attitude of excitement for every breath that you give us because we know you left us here so that we would know of the price that you paid for us because you loved us that much. Jesus we just say we're going to love you more. We're going to grow in our love today, and we're going to turn back that measure that you gave us. Lord Jesus, we're going to love one another to the measure of, to the extent of, that you have loved us, Lord Jesus. We're breaking off offense and a frustration in this room right now. The offense between people in this church is gone right now, God. But you have made this a family, not a business, where people are fired or transitioned in and out. Lord Jesus, you, we say that your love, your affection has a home. Your presence has a home right here in this body of people. And we thank you, God, that you are doing everything. You are moving every mountain and bringing up every valley to make sure that we get the full revelation of, this, of that very nature of you. We love you, God. And we just ask that your presence would abide and remain with us powerfully all the rest of today as we fellowship with one another. In Jesus' name.